Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. For multiple bonus shows per week and access to our full podcast archive featuring in-depth interviews, movie commentaries, and live shows, please check out the Steel Wars Patreon podcast feed. The content club level is just $3 a month and is chock full of Star Wars fun and really helps the ongoing production of the show. All the bonus shows download into your podcast app like any other show. Give a month a try at patreon.com forward slash steelwars. Link is in this episode's show notes. And if you do, hit us up for a question for the weekly Patreon Q&A. And now, on with the show. I really hope you enjoy it. Acclaimed Star Wars artist Hugh Fleming returns to the podcast to reminisce about being tapped by Dark Horse Comics to illustrate the now iconic covers of the Phantom Menace comic adaption. The hype, the pressure, and what it was like to receive a thick package filled with spoilers from the first Star Wars film in 16 years. But I can remember the I can remember the significant photographs. Do you have anything that when you opened it up and you're going through, like you saw something and you're like, "What's this?" Oh God! Every couple of pictures, like, "Oh my, what's that?" Oh my God! Um, I think the first thing I pulled out was, I mean, on maybe on the top of the the bunch of Xeroxes, there was a shot of of Obi Wan and Qui Gon in the Trade Federation ship in their robes with their lightsaber sticks in the middle of a fight. And, you know, obviously that blew my mind. I'd never, I was wondering what's Obi-Wan Kenobi going to look like? What, what are the Jedi going to look like? It was all new. I'm seeing Jedi for the first time in the old days and, and no one else was seeing it. Plus the pros and cons of Star Wars escapism and how George Lucas is the world's best father. This is Steel Wars episode 198, Hugh Fleming, behind the scenes on the Phantom Menace comic covers. Hey you guys and welcome to Steel Wars. I'm comedian Steel Saunders and I do love Star Wars and each week we talk to someone of interest about it and this week on the podcast... We're talking to an old friend, a returning guest who also provides his own theme music for the podcast. That was beautiful. I'm very flattered. <laughs> I'm leaving that in. Welcome back to the podcast, Hugh Fleming. How you doing, Hugh? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's nice to see you. Yes. Well, we're, we're, so you're going to make people listening feel left out, but we're, we're, we're Skype videoing. We're, we're in a long-distance oh, relationship. I, I, I just want to tell you the bags under Steele's eyes are magnificent. <laughs> <laughs> bags of things love. of beauty. Bags. Dad bags. Dad bags. Wow. Yeah. We won't. We, we won't go into that because otherwise I'll. I got. I got to talk about Star Wars to keep me um, energized. Um, yeah. 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 Last time I think I saw you maybe. 
I think might have been at your house. The or last maybe time it you wasn't. S- maybe it was we the last, the last maybe- Jedi reaction pod I was there. Oh, okay. Well, the last time before that, I went to your yeah. house and we watched, yeah. we watched this really. What was the cut of Return of the Jedi? What did you call that that we watched on the big screen? It, it is a, uh, uh, a print. Uh, 35mm print that has been scanned by fans of, you know, an original non-special edition Return of the Jedi and uh, just been been transferred um, to to video that you can watch at home. And um, it's, it's called the Grindhouse version because it's chock full of scratches and real change marks and all the stuff that you would get if you were watching Jedi in, say, 1985. Well, it was exquisite to watch, and um, we you had it on a big projector. And the, the, my, I always bring it up just for how dense the original trilogy is, particularly Jabba's Palace. But it was just this new dude. Oh, who, no, exactly, exactly. I'd never it's, seen before. That? that was hanging out behind Jabba that I'd never seen before. Yeah, yeah. He was just lurking, and I'm like... I know, I know. Well, that print, I think... The way it was transferred is a little bit brighter than what you get on the on the Blu-ray. Ah. So tending to see details, like I was noticing things I'd never seen before. I remember pointing out some of the really great panto acting by some of the monsters. Like uh, my my new favourite dude in Jabba's Palace is Squidhead. Watch his the way he laughs when Luke is down in the Rancor pit. It is priceless. Puts <laughs> one hand on his stomach and he goes. <laughs> his head goes back. He's like totally doing panto. It's beautiful. He's doing the old holding the stomach. I'm laughing so hard. It's great. He's um he's the original troll. <laughs> yes, he is. Because I remember even I don't even think maybe it was used in the film. It might be just a production still, but I think it's when Luke has got the gun and like Klaatu or someone's behind him with his hands up like like a, like a Halloween <laughs> thing, like, I'm about to nab you. I know. It's funny. It's so good. All these extras going, oh, this is my big, my big moment. I'm going to really make this play in this suit. There's another thing I noticed. Ishi Tib in that movie, he's out of his tree. He's, doing, he's hitting his head and he's, he's just going mental. And when they're heading off to like – onto the barge, you know, where everybody's leaving the party. Yeah. And I think Ishi Tib's like, he's like going off. It's very funny. Oh, yeah. Ishi Tib is like a, a star-faced creature who I, I think a lot of people know because Hasbro ended up making a, a figure of him in maybe the late 90s. But he was a very exciting figure to have Ishi Tib finally Good old issue, Tib. On the pegs where he uh, where he belonged to be. Don't don't ever doubt my knowledge of Return of the Jedi monsters. I think I pretty much know them all. Dude, after that, who could? Who could? (laughs) But um, for the unaccustomed, my my um, my intro was a a little bit scattered. But Hugh is a uh, a very and he's going to hate this bit. Well-renowned Star Wars artist. And if you've seen oh, the faces he's making on Skype. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. the, the, the more impressed I get with Hugh, the, he like balances out by being less impressed <laughs> with, uh, it's like scales, um, with himself. Yeah. But um, you would probably know the, the uh, 
you would probably know the Star Wars Rocks artwork that he did, which is uh, quite a, a seminal piece of Star Wars art for the Star Wars Insider that's still on licensed product to this day. I think I saw it on a, a wallet in Walmart recently of all places. Oh, wow. A chain wallet. So you've, you've, still, should, got, you've still got that punk rock cred, Hugh. I, sh- I should be buying that stuff. I haven't got a single bit of ancillary Star Wars Rocks merchandise. Ah, um, you're inviting. There were pajamas. I saw. I saw pajamas in Kmart. I should have got them. You're inviting. Were- you're inviting yeah. a, a slew of. Uh, oh, please send them to me. Okay, um, Star Wars rocks where it's Princess Leia singing um, with Darth Vader on bass and or on one of the guitars and and uh, who's is, is Chewie playing the drums? That just sounds- Chewie's playing the drums. Luke's playing guitar, like uh, sort of rhythm in a sort of a glittery seventies bubblegum pop sort of outfit with platforms. Han's got a flying V guitar and a tasseled vest. Uh, Leia's got punk rock. Uh, he's got a torn dress and plaid tights that are torn and Doc Martens. And the droids are on the synthesizers. Nice. And, and Hugh's in the front row getting um, singing the lyrics. There he is. That's just singing, singing every single word. Every single word. What are they singing in that? Have you ever thought about what song they're actually singing in that? image you know you know it never occurred to me well because they're all they're all different styles of, of of musician it would be something fairly messy and unlistenable i'd reckon i'm thinking just a chicago jam i just want <laughs> anywhere anyway you can get some chicago into the into Ooh, the sea yes oh yes um, now if you did that image now just say you come out with it like these days you would have like a slew of people on Twitter and stuff suggesting other things that should have happened. Like, oh yeah, they'd be coming at me. Like Yoda should have symbols, but he's using the Force to oh. jam them together. <laughs> yeah, that that that's right. Well, I, I, somebody did comment on a message board once about what was it? Oh, so that someone was not playing the right sort of guitar, you know, or or, or Chewie should have been on bass, and you know. There's always editors. Mm. Um, yeah. What are you complaining about? It's it's the Star Wars characters in a concert on Earth. You know, <laughs> you've got this, you do, your disbelief's got to be pretty well su- su- suspended. It's like 25 years later and it's getting printed on pajamas, buddy. What more do you want? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Chill out. It's just a page <laughs> in a magazine. I was uh, lucky enough uh, last year... I have to think about what year it is. That is really, I'm like, I've, I've lost all time. Post-Harrison, pre-Harrison, right? Yeah. Post-Kid, pre-Kid. He's the start of the year now. That's like, that's that's New Year's Day. Um, yeah, right. But I went to Lucasfilm to do some stuff for uh, Solo for TV back home. And I've got to say, Hugh, I... Um, I had some pride. I was a bit emotional when I saw the original <laughs> Star Wars rocks gracing the entrance to ILM. I thought that was really cool. Was it, was it the entrance? Yeah. Oh, good, because the photograph, it just looked like a hallway. I thought they put it down near the toilets. Oh, this is classic Hugh Fleming. <laughs> this is buckle in for an hour of this. Um, <laughs> 
No, it was the entrance of ILM, actually. So, oh, that's pretty cool. That's a it's a pretty prestigious uh, place. But why I've got you on here is one of the other works that you did. We're, we're at the twenty years of uh, Phantom Menace, and you don't say you did the Dark Horse covers for the Phantom Menace or one one variant and we'll we'll get into that later on. So that that's going to be the, the core of the discussion, but I've got this memory, right? At mm-hmm. at Force 2, the Star Walking uh, fan clubs uh, convention. Oh, are you going to throw my words back at me or something? I I not I will eventually. Don't worry about that, but not in this story. But okay, I'll, I'll just mark that down in my notes. Throw words back against you. Who doesn't like getting words thrown back at him? <laughs> Who does? Um, but it's my memory that Steve Sansweet gave a little speech in the opening ceremonies, and he announced for the first time the cast of the Phantom Menace to the world in yeah. a rabbit in this, at this, I know. <laughs> at, at this little dinky convention, which was the best time it, it like affected the rest of my life. But it was this, you know, pretty small, you know, especially compared to American conventions. Mm-hmm. And like these days, that sort of news is blockbuster Bresnikan EW thing oh, yeah, or, yeah, or in yeah. front of 8,000 people at Comic-Con. But in front of a couple of hundred people in <laughs> outer suburban Melbourne, he, he let everyone know that Natalie Portman and Ewan McGregor are uh, a suiting up. Is that, yeah, is, that I, is that how it went? I don't I don't remember it being like the world premiere of that information, um, but I do remember it was the first time I'd I'd heard anything. Oh no, no, I might have actually known a little bit about the casting previous to that because I did get a bit of insider information through from the Star Wars Insider. Um, so I don't recall being surprised. I think I already knew it. No false advertising there. Uh, no, no. Um, no, is that how you remember it? That no one had known? I think I'd heard so rumours. But I remember... Oh, okay. Uh, I, I think maybe, yeah, maybe casting rumours. and I, I do remember there was people around me because I wasn't so astute to know, I don't know, Brian blessed or something like there was names. You mentioned. don't know Brian blessed. No. Blessed. Oh. Blessed. Steel. I'm out. See ya. No, <laughs> we're done. <laughs> I told you I didn't know him. <laughs> you don't know anyone outside of Star Wars though. I know a few people. Blissfully ignorant. Oh, I know, I know some stuff. Don't worry, don't worry. I bet you, I bet you didn't know who. Um, fuck, I've forgotten his name. Chancellor uh, Valorum was. Yeah, dude, he was like in Superman. Oh, oh, well, very good. Okay, Steel. Terrence you've Stamp. Won, you've won back my, uh, you won back my respect. Yeah, he was. Um, he's been in the Phantom Zone. Come on. He was. He was in the Phantom Zone. So um, I'm glad he got out. Probably but, but, wished but he was still didn't. there. No, Flash Gordon, the movie. You didn't know Brian Blessed was from Flash Gordon? No, but I used to watch that film a fair bit when I was little and pretend it was Star Wars. <laughs> like, you know when you, like, watch Star Wars so many times and it's just like, just, get, gi- yeah. just give me yeah. something that's kind of like it and I'll, I'll, I'll squint. 
sure. Yeah, I know. Black like, hole. The um, what was that one with um? It was the video game one with Mark Hamill. That was Slipstream. No, Wing Commander. Wing Commander. Uh, that wasn't even a movie. That was a game. No, they made a movie of it though. Was but Hamill wasn't in it. I'm pretty sure he was. No, he wasn't. I'll bet you money still. I think Freddie Prince Jr. was in it. Was he in it? <laughs> he might have been. He right, might right have been. I'm looking it up. I'm looking it up. I can't. I remember it was I remember it was a shame because Hamill wasn't in it. Thomas F. Wilson from Back to the Future, who I think was in the game, though I never played it, he was in it in the in the game, but not in the movie. Okay, wait there, wait there. Trust me, Steele. Hamill wasn't in the movie. All right. True. He's just checking the internet. It's, I don't believe. I don't, can't believe you don't respect my my knowledge on this. Yeah, but in doing that, I've got an amazing Star Wars reference that fits in with the theme of this episode. Wait, let's hear it. Do you know who was in Wing Commander? Captain Panaka himself, Hugh Quashie. Oh my gosh! How wow. Was George Lucas a fan of Wing Commander? Was he playing it back in the day? Maybe, maybe. maybe. I don't. I don't know if Hugh Corshi ended up being a fan of George Lucas or not. But um, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Corshi's loss is Jayla Guy's gain. But j- before we get to the Phantom Menace, just about that, um, I just want to like totally annoy you before we start talking about stuff. Oh, please, please do. But my memory, I didn't. Um, and we talked a bit you're about... Not gonna, you, wait, wait, wait. You're not going to throw my words back at me, are you? No, I'm going to celebrate them, actually. Okay, good. All right, cool. All right. So we talked a bit about this when you were on last time. Not the um, the Last Jedi one, but when you came on for your first one with Jamie. I'm not sure. That's uh-huh. maybe back in the 20s. So if you want to yeah. find out about more about Hugh's fandom and, and how he got into being an artist and all that sort of good stuff. I was so... I think I had a crush on you, Hugh. You, oh. <laughs> you, you were the bad boy of the convention and, and also had such clout because I couldn't understand how a guy in Melbourne, Australia, you know, pre-internet could draw Star Wars stuff officially. I didn't understand how that was like like possible. Like uh-huh. I, uh-huh. I, I just didn't get it. And yeah. Yeah, it's probably when you think about all the hoops you had to jump through to get stuff approved and all that, probably you don't get it either. But I remember, <laughs> I remember being very impressed with that, that someone like in from Melbourne had done that. But you were also, you, um, you, you weren't afraid to say it how you, how you saw it. I, I remember oh, at yeah. one of the panels, so I, <laughs> I, I just worked out what panels you're going to be on. And I was like, I gotta don't go, get me! I, don't I, get me in trouble. I, I'm gonna go see the bad boy of Star Wars fandom at all these panels. This is that was a different me, Steele. That was a different me. I know. I the one remember. thing that I, I I remember you said that you had a I think it was a yak face on card, uh-huh. and just to like you you were so <laughs> over the collecting mentality and stuff, which is amazing to say like back in the the late you know nineties, but you wanted to. You said that you were tempted to come down tomorrow with your carded yak face and stand in the middle of the convention and open it in front of everyone. 
Oh, God. And I'm just like, oh, man, I, I'm going to keep an eye on this dude tomorrow. This is going to be amazing. <laughs> oh, what's he going to do? He could, he's capable of anything. Yeah, so very <laughs> loose He might kill somebody. What, 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 what are your memories of that convention? I do remember being at a little room party a bit later and Kenny Baker was there. Um out drinking everybody by the looks of things. Um, that's not a diss. That's a, that's a yeah, we're not worthy. Yeah. Um, that's about all I remember. I really can't remember any specifics about the convention. Obviously, I was, I was ruffling as many feathers as I could. Oh, I, was like, I couldn't be happy to have my feathers ruffled, Hugh. It was, uh... If I did that on Twitter today, there'd be death threats in my inbox tomorrow, I'll tell you what. Oh, my God. Because uh, I think that was the first sort of convention I went to, so it was all just so... Oh, that's very exciting. When you get to your first convention and you're with people that have the same disease as you, yeah. <laughs> that you've, you've, you've got this insane love of this wacky thing and everyone's on your side and you can just, you know, everything's chill and you can talk to everyone about, about Star Wars and not be, not feel judged about it. Yeah, I actually didn't talk to that many people about it. I was just, I sort of just was sort of by myself and I was just fascinated with everyone. Like, mm. like that they like people knew each other and mm. yeah just the whole yeah I, I was just sort of taking it in and I, I've talked about this memory many times in the podcast but it was where I first realized that some Star Wars fans don't like Ewoks never knew <laughs> I didn't say I didn't like Ewoks did I I have no idea I don't remember because I, I reckon the crush would have just evaporated the moment I said something like that well I remember Ewoks came up and in the back of the panel room a few a few toughs up the back <laughs> oh yeah the toughs yeah booed and I was like I remember just like going ah oh, some oh. people don't like Ewoks the shape of things to come hey yeah, I was, I was there. It, it predicts the internet still. The internet we have today. Yes. Well, I don't know. We'll, we'll move well, on look, from that. It, wait a minute. This seems like a very good time to, to drop some information on you. Okay. Um, I know you seem to think that I'm, I'm anti-Ewok or I, I give out a, a, a position of being anti-Ewok. Oh, because no, no. I wasn't. You I wasn't definitely so give out an anti-Ewok vibe, Hugh. Come on. How so? How so? How so? Well, okay, I will, I, I'll tell you how. Before I knew you properly, I saw you at Galaxy Quest, the thing that Chris Brennan organised, and you had a little stand and you had a bit of art you'd done for the Insider as a print and it was an Ewok and an ATST. Mm-hmm. And I think you had other prints, but I really wanted that. Because I was like, oh, Ewok, and you know, Hugh Foreman drew an Ewok. Yep. I really like that, and and you like seem to want to talk me out of getting it or move me on. Oh, you want that one? You, you seem disappointed, no, no, no. mate. You are completely misremembering <laughs> this entire. You've you've invented this out of pole cloth. <laughs> I tell you what, I was selling at that convention. I had. What did I have? I just had some some extra uh, some some of my freebies from Dark Horse. Um, a couple of leftover uh, APs of a Return of the Jedi print that I'd done. Um, your, the, I did not have any 
Prince to sell. So you've completely, no, completely made dude, this up. I bought. You made it up. No, I didn't. I bought. I got something. I can't remember the other thing I got off you, but I did Maybe. get that. I I got the Ewok and ATST. It seemed like you were like, oh, really? That one. Steel. You are making shit up. <laughs> <laughs> that never happened. You are, you are getting, you tell you what, you're getting your story. You're getting so, something else happened. You found the Star Wars Insider with that piece in it and you bought it. And then maybe the guy who was selling it to you and you said, I love this Ewok painting. And that guy probably went, oh, that's what happened. Okay. I, I never, I trust, trust me. Okay. We'll leave it there. We'll leave it there. Never happened. We'll leave anyway. it there. We'll leave it there, but I'll, I'll just ask one question. What? Who at the start of this said they had a terrible memory? <laughs> you did. <laughs> no. You said, no. No, it was you. no, no, no. You're making this up out of whole cloth still. It was you that said you had a terrible memory. No. Go back. I, I said I was fried. You said I've got a terrible memory. Uh, well... Well, anyway, changing the subject. Okay. The um, but no, I never got to say what I was going to say about okay. Ewoks. Okay, go, go, go. All right, all right. So I was not anti-Ewok, but it was that painting that I'd done. That was maybe the fourth painting that I'd done for the Star Wars Insider. And I had yet to paint Han Solo or, or, or Leia or Boba Fett or any number of other things. And the Ewoks weren't high on the list. They were down a bit. They were low down, but they weren't up the top. And that's why I was a bit annoyed by having to do it because I don't know how many opportunities I'm going to get to do paintings for the Star Wars Insider. And I, and I treasured everyone. And the Ewoks, not, you know, a bit low down on the list. But that was, that was back then. And I was a little bit not anti-Ewok, but not pro-Ewok. Okay. Okay. Today, I stand before you, Steele. I sit before you. A pro-Ewok man. No shit. I'm pro-Ewok. You know what happened? I was watching Jedi. I thought you were going to say I opened your heart to them. Well, you've done that as well. I must admit, hearing you say how much you love them, I can't, I can't deny that. Um, but I was watching Jedi and now I'm going to piss you off because I... <laughs> I was watching Jedi thinking about the things I don't like about it, but we won't go into that right now. Okay. But I think my issues with the movie sort of come from the, the, the writing uh, more so than individual textual things. And the Ewoks for, for a lot of people, they're the focus of what they don't like about a film. They might not like the movie for some reason that they can't explain, but they'll focus on the Ewok or they'll focus on Jar Jar, or they'll focus on Jake Lloyd, or they'll focus on some tangible detail that feels like the wrong thing or the thing to, to attack. And Ewoks for a lot of people are that thing. They go, oh, this is the, this is the kiddie tone of Return of the Jedi. This is the personification of that, teddy bears. Mm-hmm. Um, but I realize it's not, I don't have a problem with the teddy bears. I don't, I don't have a problem with those, those things anymore. And, um, and I was, when I was watching Jedi, um, because those people that did that grindhouse return of the Jedi, well, they've been working on other versions of Jedi cleaned up versions from 35 mil. I've been watching the, watching their progress and watching the, the various versions of Jedi coming through that they've been working on. And I was looking at the scene where the Ewoks were there fighting. Maybe it was a scene with, with them getting dragged along by the scout walker. 
And I was watching that. I thought, that's delightful. That's delightful and imaginative. And where else are you going to see a movie with teddy bears getting dragged along by a walking robot thing? Where else are you going to see that? It's, it's great that it exists. And I loved it. I was delighted by it. And I've, I've completely let go of my ambivalence towards Ewoks. So I just want you to know that. I am pro, pro Ewok. I feel like we've made a lot of progress here. We have. <laughs> I feel like, um, like Return of the Jedi with the Ewoks and stuff. I've just sort of this is just a theory I just came up with listening to you. If it fits, it fits really well with Star Wars, like the tone of Star Wars. Yeah, but it doesn't fit in very well with the tone of Empire Strikes Back. Like it's sort of no, no. That's right. That's right. Like if you hadn't. I guess, and how I saw the trilogy, I went Star Wars, Return of the Jedi, Empire Strikes Back. I'm not saying that affected my view, but it's, I don't know, it's ironic. But, um, <laughs> like, I think Return of the Jedi fits in more with Star Wars than Empire Strikes Back does. Like, Empire Strikes yeah. Back rips, but it's quite yeah. a, um, you know, it's 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 got a, a heavier tone and it's it's far, like, I guess... Trippier with all the you know mm-hmm. in the cave and all that stuff, but yeah. like, yeah, I, I feel like that's maybe um, why you know people in their sort of teen years and stuff that I talked to, like Return of the Jedi, wasn't for them because Empire Strikes Back was sort of growing up with them, mm-hmm. and then it like Return of the Jedi went back to like what they would have liked you know, when they would have seen Star Wars more yeah. so. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I think in a way that, that um, Kasdan and Kirshner and Gary Kurtz hijacked the Empire Strikes Back a little bit and sort of wrenched it into this slightly more adult tone. I don't think that was ever really what George wanted. I think he always wanted it to be like, you know, mostly for kids, which is great, which is fine. That's what they are. And the Empire was just accidentally a bit more grown up then. Mm. The other ones. And uh, the thing about these movies, all of these movies, they have wildly shifting tones. I mean, Star Wars and Empire and Jedi, they, they look different. They feel different. We think of them as a block because we, we embrace them all at, at, in one block at that time. But Star Wars looks like a bit of a 60s studio film and Empire looks more you know, artistically photographed and it's more serious. And then Jedi is a big family film. It's a lot more colourful. Um, you know, the, the tones up and down all over the place, and that's just normal for a franchise. And when people see a new Star Wars film and it's tonally completely different, they, they should just be able to handle it a bit better than they currently seem to be doing. They should just be happy with the fact that they are all, all different. In the prequels, whatever you, however you feel about the prequels, however, whichever trilogy is your favourite, they're all giving you different flavours of Star Wars, and, and that's not a bad thing. It's kind of good. And, you know, it's, uh, it's to be embraced. And, and f- another thing about Jedi to me is it always felt a bit like, uh, a bit of a, it didn't really satisfactorily complete the whole story for me. It seemed like the empire was just wiped out with this one thing of, you know, they, they kill Vader, they kill Palpatine, they blow up the Death Star and then the empire just gives up. Well, that's not, what's going to happen. The Empire is still everywhere. You've still got a lot of cleaning up to do to, to bring peace and, uh, and, and justice and liberty back to the galaxy. 
And um, and Jedi just felt like, well, that's is that the end? And even when you put the prequels in there, it's the end for, for a six-film series. But the beauty of it now is that they've continued the saga and whatever little problems, um, you know, it actually shows you what happened after all of that. And it does show you the consequences. And there are things in Jedi I don't, I'm not really keen about. One of the main things is I don't think Han and Leia get really much of a, a look in as characters. They don't get to grow much or or have any interesting conflicts it's just a little bit you know they're just sort of supporting cast and it's great to see them come back it's great that we got harrison ford back and doing something meaningful in the force awakens it's awesome we got such a a brilliant final uh performance from carrie as leia a great final leia picture and those little dips in you know where i feel the characterization sort of got a bit lost in Return of the Jedi, it's compensated for with the later films. So Jedi's now like, well, that's the movie where Luke redeems his dad. These other movies that come along, these are the ones where Han confronts his son and Leia passes the baton of leadership to to other characters. And so they get meaningful things to do afterwards. So it's not all on Jedi's shoulder to be the end of the saga. And so... So long as the whole thing just keeps rolling on, there's always an opportunity to, to make up for little discrepancies and, and um, you know, and, and little little stumbles along the way, you know. Yeah, yeah, and also, like that is my hope with episode nine is it makes you enjoy all the films more. Like it will add some context mm. that like watching Revenge of the Sith is like oh. Like not not like a huge thing, but uh-huh. like I found watching Empire Strikes Back pretty satisfying after watching Solo. Like just uh-huh. to see them later on and go, oh, that's pretty cool, you know? Uh-huh. Like, if you've been thinking about grabbing one of those humorously designed, high-quality, screen-printed Steel Wars t-shirts, well, now is the perfect time. Because up until the release of our 200th episode, I've got two great t-shirt offers for Steel Wars listeners. The first one is pretty easy. Buy one t-shirt, get the second one half off. You get to pick which ones you want and get a really sweet deal. Or if you're feeling lucky and you really want to fill the drawers, you can get a mystery pack of four Steel Wars t-shirts under half price for just $39.95 in the size of your choice. Plus, I'll make sure the package is jam-packed with stickers to boot. As thanks for supporting the Steel Wars podcast. Check out all the teas and the special offers in the link in your show notes or by clicking merchostore.com. But let's take it back to pre-1999. Episode 1, The Phantom Menace. Hugh Fleming... What had you done for Dark Horse up to this point? Some Tales of the Jedi covers, is that? I I did a bunch of Tales of the Jedi covers. Um, For people who don't know what that is, it was a a, a Jedi comic book series set 1,000, 3,000 or 4,000 years before before the movies. I mean, I don't know why they had to go back that far. 500 years probably would have done it, but (laughs) there you go, 4,000 years. and, uh, you know, a bunch of Jedi and that. I did a, about 14 paintings for those series. And then I was asked to do 
uh, Splinter of the Mind's Eye, or maybe I maybe I begged someone to do Splinter of the Mind's Eye. I think I, I think it was the latter. <laughs> um, so I got to hey do, from, from a certain point of view, Hugh. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I did two covers for that that series, and then they moved me on to Shadows of the Empire because uh, I wasn't going to be able to fit Shadows in with with Splinter into my schedule. So so they moved me on to that. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I just have, I know we're here to talk about the Phantom Menace. But, Hugh, mm. did you ever get to paint the quilting on Dash Ramdar's jacket? I did. I did. Oh. I did. There's a, t- well, I, there's a- the ne- next time I see you, I'm going to have to kiss those hands because <laughs> one of my favorite things about Star Wars is Dash Ramdar's jacket. I don't know why. His ace shoulder pads. Yes. Yeah, the eighties didn't end, in, apparently, <laughs> in, Star, in Star Wars. Um, no, I did. I did um, on the first cover as a montage. There's a little the dash render, little vignette of him sitting on a swoop. Um, and that's not terribly detailed. In the the hardcover collection, there's a, a frontispiece, uh, like a bit of art before the start of the where you where you sign everything, you know, an art plate. And I did. I did a piece of Shadows montage for that, and uh, there's a there's a good dash there. You, eagle-eyed people will see that I based it on Russell Crowe, who wasn't such a huge star at the time, Ooh. but it's pretty obvious if you look at it now. Um, okay, I've got a Russell Crowe Star Wars reference or memory. Yeah, when Harrison Ford showed that um, clip of uh, episode seven. The Force Awakens in Sydney, yeah. Russell Crowe was in the audience. I, I saw him as well. I saw him before that um, walking about with his kids. It's funny how he doesn't look like a movie star. Eh? He looks like a, just looks like a bit of a tubby guy from the Western suburbs. Yeah, he, <laughs> okay, anyway. he just looks like a dude you'd stay away from when he was drunk down at the pub. You certainly would. You would. He's got, he's got like some sort of... <laughs> attitude or something like that yeah, he has he had his he had his aviators on and the really dark ones and looked very serious yeah. it's got to be hard for him though i mean people will be coming up to him all the time and asking him why he got so fat <laughs> it's people coming up to him ducking phones yeah patting his belly come on mate, what happened <laughs> god talk about maximus <laughs> The all right. So how so? How did the the, the Phantom Menace? How was that introduced? Ah, oh, so, uh, so so I was doing Splinter, and that was '96. Um, and then I hadn't done a bit of work for for Dark Horse for a while, and then I got a, I must have got a call from them. A fax. A, well, it would have been. I didn't have a personal fax machine, so it would have been a call. But we did everything by faxes back then, back in the '90s sending sketches by faxes. Um, and they gave me a call and, and asked me if I wanted to do the covers for the comic adaptation. And, and uh, of course, I turned them down. No. <laughs> 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 of course, I, 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 I sort of stammered and went, yeah, yeah <laughs> I'll do those. Um, so do, so do, there, yeah. Do you recall at what point this was? Like, had the trailer come out, like the original sort of teaser thing? No. No, it was a year before the movie came out. So 
uh, no one had seen anything. No one knew anything about the movie other than that it was coming out. And there were, you know, people were leaking. There were some stories getting leaked on like Ain't It Cool News, uh, reports of footage seen and um, um, a lot of wringing of hands about, about Jar Jar. I remember that when I mean, there was a bit of audio leaked and everyone was, do you remember that? Vaguely, yeah. I was actually trying to really not know stuff. Like yeah. like on the, on the Forcenet, um, they would have the reports and then if you wanted to know the spoiler stuff, you'd highlight it because the text was like, in white. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I used to like really try hard not to highlight, like I'd read it without <laughs> highlighting the text. Yeah, I know, I know. And, and just sort of... And go, oh, I'll highlight just one line. One, I'll, I'll just. I know. Yep. And that's and that's usually the line that blows something huge for you. And go, ah. Oh. But yeah, I, I don't think I had anything. I think buying the, the there was no bigger spoiler to me than buying the toys. Yeah. That that, yeah, was, right. that, that sort of um, you know that 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 ta- that taught me a lot. So. Well. Well, so, anyway, it was it, it was a year before the movie came out that I got the call. And no one knew anything. Um, and, and you're such a like a like a big player in the comics game that you were saying, "Send me the script, let me check it out." <laughs> well, they would have they would have sent me the comic script if I'd asked for it. But like you, I wanted to stay as spoiler free as possible. So I said to them, I, "That was the only thing that was that seems so stupid, really, to say this, but." That was that was giving me pause. Like, do I want to know anything about this movie? I'm such a fan. I don't want to be spoiled, and I'm going to learn stuff. Um, so I said to the editor, "Just send me this. Pick out the four covers that you want done, the scenes that you want done, and I'll just send me the information that pertains to those scenes, and I'll do them. I don't want to read the script. I don't want to hear anything else. I don't want to see anything else. Just, you know, pick out what you want to see, and I'll paint it." Um, so yeah, I was going to ask you about like the covers and and how you pick them out, but like it, it, it's 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 interesting. I guess like a, a cliched artist, they'd want like I'll decide what goes on the cover, but you were just <laughs> like you just work it out. I'll draw it. Yeah, usually that's what you do. You're holding on to those creative rights. Like I want to design this. I want to pick the scene. Um, but in this case, I just said, you tell me what you want me to render and just got them to send me the reference. And I don't think I got any script pages, but, but they just sent me a big fat wad of FedExed reference, like an inch of Xeroxes, color Xeroxes of photographs from, from the film and model shots and, and all of that. Do you still have that stuff? I do. I, I went looking for it before we were um, before we were going to do this, and um, it's too too far in the back of the storage cave, so I gave up. But I can remember the I can remember the significant photographs. Do you have anything that when you opened it up and you were going through, like you saw something and you're like, "What's this?" Oh God! Every couple of pictures, like, "Oh my, what's that?" Oh my God! Um, I think the first thing I pulled out was, I mean, on maybe on the top of the, the bunch of Xeroxes, there was a shot of, of Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon in the Trade Federation ship in their robes with their lightsaber sticks in the middle of a fight. And, you know, obviously, that blew my mind. I'd never, I was wondering, what's Obi-Wan Kenobi going to look like? What, what are the Jedi going to look like? 
it was all new, as you can understand. It was very exciting. So no, like, so it was with the props, not like, no, no, like someone hadn't come no. in and photoshopped it. No, no, no. It's just them with the with the sticks and yeah. That was that was the the most yeah the the most significant photograph I think because it was I'm seeing Jedi for the first time in the old days and and no one else was seeing it. No one else was you know other than Lucasfilm employees like no one else was getting a, a, a gander at this. How are you going with like you know you, you've got a lot of Star Wars friends in Melbourne. Mm. How, how um like, how do you pe- keep it a secret well did people know you had the job like yeah well they did well you know they um i was working in a in an office i was sharing an office with a couple of good friends big star wars fans um and they were computer game designers still computer game designers and um we were <laughs> living working in this uh non-air-conditioned top floor uh, uh, office in the in Fortitude Valley in Brisbane, and um, and uh, there there was no way they weren't going to see what I was doing. I was painting in the corner of the room, and they were working on the games. And um, and you know, of course, I, I had to sign an NDA. I'm not going to show this to anybody. And but there's no way they weren't going to see any of it. Like unless I put up a, a hospital screen around, <laughs> like you have in a hospital around your bed around my work place there's no way I could keep it secret so um and these are really good friends of mine I trust them uh completely so I just said oh fuck it you can have a look <laughs> have a look which is really so so they were sitting with me as I opened up the box <laughs> and um so you know I, this is going to get me in trouble with Lucasfilm probably I I, I violated the NDA but they, they're good guys and they, and they never breathed the word about it on the internet um so we're just sitting there here, the three of us, total Star Wars nerds, handing around these pictures and and just flipping out, you know. And, and, and they spent the next, like, 20 years waiting for Reddit to start so they could start writing about it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> they lost their time because that's a lot to intake. Oh, look, totally. There's, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I, was, I, was, I would have been busting wanting to tell people about this, but it was, it was only the guys in the office who were, who were going to see it anyway. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was pretty amazing. It was good to share that with a couple of diehards. Um, nice. So I was, I was looking at the covers and I was, although you didn't get to pick who yeah. or what was on it, I, I, I thought whoever did, did a pretty good job of um, sort of laying out like the key covers. I'm, I'm, I'm really fussy with stuff like that. Things make good sets and mm-hmm. like, like all that sort of stuff. So yeah, the, the, the first cover was um, almost like a movie poster with mm-hmm. um, there's uh, Queen Amidala in the background, uh, Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, Jar Jar, and then like the Nemoidians in the front. So it's it's almost like an alternate uh, cover. No, no Anakin Skywalker, maybe that's what leaves it out. Then mm. the second one is the pod race, mm-hmm. which is another, you know, huge part of the film. Yeah. The third one is Darth Maul's face. 
Good mm. to get him in there. Darth Maul obviously wasn't on the first one. And then the fourth one is Darth Maul facing off against Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. Looking back, if you had have gone through all the materials yourself and read the script, mm-hmm. would you have chosen like different things to pick? Because I, I, I feel like that's a good like four images to sum up the Phantom Menace. Yeah, I'll go, I probably would have done a big uh, panorama wraparound cover of the Senate. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with the Nemoidians going, this is unfair and outrageous. I would have done that. Nemoidians getting pissed off in the Senate. That's what I would have done. Okay, and then the, um, the ETs would have been covered up by the barcode. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, yeah, no, I probably wouldn't have done anything different. I mean, they're, they're pretty key. They're all key scenes. I mean, it was it, the ones they chose for me are the ones that you would, you would have, you got to show the, the pod race is a, is an important center is a sort of important set piece. The duel, obviously the beginning where you're just introducing the Jedi and the, and the battle droids, uh, and the Nemoidians, Maul was just kind of a Darth Maul's cool. Let's let's throw him in there, and I mean, again with Darth Maul, it was like, well, that's good. I, I've seen pictures of him. I don't need to know any more about the character. I'll just this portrait will be nice. So that'll keep me spoiler free for another issue. Um, <laughs> but I probably wouldn't have changed changed anything. And and at the time, putting Darth Maul's face on anything was a win uh... win. You're, you're, you're printing some cash. You're printing some Where? cash. I, I remember that first weekend just desperately trying to find a Darth Maul figure. Just please uh-huh. Uh-huh. give me some more. Trying to get that double-ended lightsaber that Hasbro did was for, like, I think there was news reports about how I wouldn't be able to get it. Just Oh, no. <laughs> like like on, on, on the like the nightly news, just like. Oh, it was insane, wasn't it? Yeah, I remember. Did you spend any time in Melbourne, like during that build-up? Um, I didn't actually spend any time in Melbourne because I I had moved. I, I was born in Melbourne and moved to Brisbane when when I was five, and was raised there. I moved back to Melbourne in '97, um, uh, middle of the year, and then I was there about. Uh, nine months when my when my mum took ill and I had to go back to Brisbane, and so I was in Brisbane. Um, uh, yeah, it was sorry to take a sad turn with all this steel, but she had cancer and she was she was she was dying. Um, so I was doing a lot of that work while she was ill at home. She she was doing very very well on, on chemotherapy mm-hmm. for a while, and it looked as if she was going to be fine. And uh, uh, so, but anyway, I was. I was up in Brisbane and at home um, doing some of the work at the office with my friends and, and some of it at home when she was, she was quite ill and she passed away in the middle of me doing that, the Phantom Menace covers. Oh, man. So that's a, uh, yeah, I was right in the middle of the second cover when, when she passed away. So I was in Brisbane for, for uh, all of that. I wasn't in Melbourne um, for the hype. Well, I still got the hype. I mean, I got a computer for the first time that year and I downloaded the trailer, you know, overnight on the dial-up modem. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, I was immersed in the hype and 
and either I had I had people that I knew in Brisbane as well who were, who were well into it. My friends who I talked about before, and there was a there's a, a collectibles place in Brisbane called Fanatic. I don't know if you've ever heard of that place. Is I don't this, know if it's still there. Uh, was it behind the Maya Center? Yeah, yeah, it was. That shop was epic. <laughs> yes, it was. And that was a place, it was like cheers for nerds. You know, you'd wander up there on Friday night and all the, some of the tragics would be there talking about the latest goings-on in, in the world of geekdom and Star Wars. and Real-life um, Twitter. Real-life Twitter, that's right. Um, so, uh, yeah, I used to you know, go down there on a Friday night and say hi to a few people and get my, get my dose of real-life Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Real life Facebook, real life internet, real life Twitter. Well, I, I, I you know, that it's really sad about your mom, but it's, I guess maybe a silver lining is that like, I guess being, you know, that she brought up this little nerd and, you're uh-huh. about to draw the comics for yeah, the new well, Star was, Wars film. That, that that's she, yeah. that's pretty cool. Oh, she was totally proud, and and um, and I, I look. I almost okay. I think I almost didn't take the job because um, I was just a, a bit worried that it was I'm just going through so much stress because of mum and and my dad said, look, you know, you've got to you've got to paint these things because your mum's proud of you for doing this and she wouldn't want you to, to drop your bundle now uh, when you're getting such a, such a, um, a great opportunity. And, mm. um, and, you know, it turned out it wasn't, it wasn't so hard. I mean, I just did a fair bit of it at home. Um, and it was, you know, it was really difficult, obviously, but um, it's not like the Phantom Menace covers remind me of, of that, that terrible year so much or the, the terrible things that happened in that year that it, um, I'm still, I still, very fondly remember um, the the excitement and the. I mean, it was it was it was an escape for me as well. You know, the, the knowing that the Phantom Menace was coming was was um, you know I could I could go hang out with my friends and get excited about the movie, and it was a great way to you know switch off from the the grief. Well, that's I, I feel like for some people is what's lost in Star Wars now is like that's what it's for like that's what all this uh-huh. like you know childish dribble movies uh-huh. cartoons is for is like when things are like brutal mm-hmm. and you do need like an escape that's mm-hmm. like that's what it's for is to like for me and a lot of friends it was like skateboarding to whatever it is like comics or not like it's an escape from all that stuff and mm-hmm. and I don't know, sometimes now, which I'm trying to get, you know, steer clear of that is it's like the thing that's meant to help you escape from 
what's bringing you down is the thing mm-hmm. that's bringing you down. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, it's it's. I think it's a lot of it is to do with people that put so much currency in the Star Wars escape escapism factor. Like if I, I think a lot of the people that are most angry about Star Wars, right, particularly right now, are people who uh, are maybe having some difficulties in their life. And we've all got, we've all got difficulties before. I mean, and most of us aren't. Like I'm in a really chill place right now. I'm, uh, you know, being a dad, being a new dad, and loving that and feeling that focus in my life. Like a Star Wars movie letting me down is, is doing nothing. You know, I might be, and I've been let down by them in the past. I've even been let down by them recently, but I don't dwell on it and I don't let it get to me. Like, it's just, oh, let it go. You know, we missed this one and the next one will be better. We've got these things till the day we die. Just, just relax. There's another one coming. Yeah. I guess it's like, ah, a Star Wars film let you down. Been there, done that. Done that. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Exactly. (laughs) So I guess how long did each of the covers take? Um, Look, usually two or three weeks. I'm a very slow painter. Oh, and Uh, I should should point out that I am so naive. You could have said three days or Mm. seven months for each mm. one, and I go, oh, really? Fascinating. Yeah, look, it's you're not actually that naive because for some people it is three days. A lot of these kids now working digitally, man, they they can they can push out a, a, a full color, beautiful painting in half a day in a in a, in a morning. Mm. Um, you know, uh, and some of them do take like a long, long time to to do stuff. You know, I've always been very slow. Um, but I can't, it's hard to remember. I, mean, I think I might have gotten, uh, I'm sure I got a little bit of a break from Dark Horse. I was a bit late on some of it because of everything going on with mum. But I don't know. I, I can't really, re- I can't remember. A couple of weeks per one, maybe three weeks on the, the first one, which was quite big. It was a big piece. Mm-hmm. I was doing a bit of light Googling the other day about you in preparation for this podcast and one of your bios said that you you prided yourself and i you know we can dispute the internet on on using um references for your imagery that isn't so well known is that is that is that a true or a false uh claim by the internet that's true so in fact true Okay, so you get sent all this imagery and it's the only thing that you've seen mm. of what's going on. Mm. How, how do you – do you just go with the imagery or do you try to like like reimagine how it might look from a different angle? Oh, no. Well, if, it, if it's in the case of an adaptation, then then I don't mind just copying what's, what's given to me. I, that other thing is in reference to I might paint a cover for Shadows of the Empire – and I won't just use a still of Luke from The Empire Strikes Back and paint a vest on him, you know. Mm, uh, okay. I will, I will fire – back in, back then I would get stills of – like I'd, I'd – um, before, the, before the age of just being able to get screen grabs off, off uh, of movie files, I used to photograph stills of, from my laser discs. I would take my laser disc out, find a, find a headshot that I thought was usable – 
And then I just photograph it with a 35 mil camera and take the film to the shop. And oh. it's so primitive, isn't it? <laughs> no, because it just hit me as you were saying it. It's like he's not taking this on his iPhone. Like no. he, he then has to go take him to get developed. I know, the old, old, old days. Um, <laughs> so then I would take the shot of the, of the face and I would photograph uh, a, a friend uh, uh, who would model for me in the pose. I would match the lighting to, to closely, as close as I could to the shot from the movie and, uh, and make a new pose out of it so it didn't look like I was just repurposing a well-known image. Ah. Like the image of the Luke... On the on the skiff from the Star Wars uh, from Return of the Jedi storybook, I remember. the cover of that's that that I know you do. That still, if I just put a vest on Luke, and put that on the Shadows of the Empire cover, you'd be probably going, "What is this? Uh, Work for your money." In that instance, I'd be thinking it's pretty cool, actually. But, but <laughs> I, I, I see where you're coming from because I know um, uh, one of our. Uh, great friends uh of the podcast king tom he he gets irate with seeing like modern comics and he knows like it, it almost seems like it's just a frame grab of the image from the film yeah and then they've just like traced mm. around it sort of thing and done some colorization mm-hmm. which you know i i, I guess is I, I never really thought about it much until he started pointing it out all the time and like it's not saying that like bothers me, but I don't know. Where, where, where do you stand on that, Hugh? On this contentious issue? Depends on what it's what the use is. Um, if it's a if it's like an alternative movie poster of of a movie you know, then taking a screen grab is is fine. Is he complaining about just tracing the image or putting a whacking a filter on it and not doing much yeah, work? Or? more so like in in some of the Marvel comics, there's. Like it, they'll say there'll be like Luke Skywalker or something, and he'll be doing something, you know, like out not in the films. It's in between mm-hmm. films. Oh, okay, sure, yep. Yeah, right. And you're just like, well, that's Luke Skywalker sitting on the film. Like it's so. Right. Yeah, that's right. And if you know the films well, you know those those shots. I mean, when Drew Struzan started running out of the really sweet production set photographs. He started taking snaps off, I think, probably off video or Laserdisc, and you see it in some of his books. There's one cover where it's a, it's a sort of a three-quarter of Luke uh, for another story, and it's Luke, Luke turning around when Obi-Wan turns up on, on Dagobah, and he says, Obi-Wan. It's that, it's that shot, you know, yeah. and, there's, and there's other shots that I instantly recognize the face. But when I do that, I try maybe try change the hair a little bit or – or I change the color of the lighting so it looks like. Oh, for the Shadows of the Empire cover number one, have you got that up in front of you? Can you see it? I'll get it up. But I think it's Luke Skywalker sort of standing by himself in the middle with stuff around him. Is that? It's a bit of a, it's a, bit of an echo of the of the Twin Suns moment where he's just sort of looking out into the off to the horizon. Yes, that's the one with uh, Shizor and Darth Vader in the background. Yeah, it's like the 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 dark version of the uh, twin sons with him yeah. decked out in a black sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So the figure is a mate posing for me in jeans and a pullover and a, maybe a vest of some kind we had and, and some, some uh, riding boots. But the face is from 
Luke from the scene from the end of Empire when Luke and Leia are looking at the Falcon departing. Yes. Yes. Um, but you, if I hadn't told you that, you probably, you might not have picked that up. Yeah. When you so say, I, when I, you say it, then I'm like, oh, and I've ruined it. And and and, and the, the frame grab of Shizor is from no, actually, sorry. Um, <laughs> the but back then it was a. I think now it's a lot different because it does look like someone has just drawn over the the frame grab on their computer at times. Yeah. Like it looks That's, it looks too much like the the film yeah. image. Well, yeah, there's there's fewer steps to get to that image than there is in painting it onto a board and all of the the slight um uh, inaccuracies that you bring to it when you paint and the the style of the paint and the you know the way it's, it it can obfuscate the the origins of the yeah of the thing cuz i actually remember back then it was sort of cool for me to work out what image that was like i'd see a new <laughs> you know, a Thrawn novel or in, the, in that sort of era of, of novel and, and sort of see the images and go, oh, that's that's like layer on like at the Ewok village, but it's been changed yeah. around and all that sort of, I, I, like I sort of thought that was um, always cool. My, my, my favourite thing was, and I think it's that, especially back then, giving yourself that nerd cred was I th- it was either a Lando Carizian or Han Solo novel and going they use the uh, the Kenner Millennium Falcon as their reference like <laughs> I know yeah the Lando the Lando books with a massive cockpit on yes. the Falcon I saw one of those covers with with the Kenner Falcon I, I saw that you saw that yeah at Lucasfilm and oh, it was a giant painting and and the, yeah. and the top half was just like clear to allow space for the Star Wars title, and whew, I, that's I, a, that's they're beautiful paintings. Those I I I didn't really notice them so much in the old days, but oh, probably because yeah. I probably wasn't interested in reading the Lando books. But but yeah, they're, they're, that's an awesome painting. Aside yeah. from the the wacky Kenner Millennium Falcon, <laughs> you know the super deformed Japanese Millennium Falcon in the picture, it's it's pretty ace. But now that Falcon, like that's part of the charm is like. Exactly. That, that's right. Well, some of my favourite, favourite art of Star Wars is the stuff from the first year or two when the movie came out because, you know, that, there's, a, there's a term you use to describe something in animation. If you draw a character and it doesn't look like the model cheats, it's off model, off model. And so much of that stuff from that era, because there was they didn't expect Star Wars to be so huge. The artists were working from very limited resources with their with their reference. And so shit's off model all over the place. You know, the the Darth Vader's face is got like he's got like a radiator mouth and 3PO looks wrong and, and R2's little little eyes and bits are in the wrong place and um, especially in all the early Marvel comics as well, especially the Marvel adaptation of the first movie. It's, you know, it's, it's crazy how little, how off model all of the stuff is, but that's so charming to me. That takes me back to 1978 when all of that stuff was coming down the pike and, and it just screams early Star Wars, you know, first year Star Wars to me. Well, even, 
the original Star Wars poster is off model. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Like, you know, with like chesty Luke Skywalker and, you know, like Leia showing a bit of leg and, you know, it was, yeah. it was a lot more fantasyful. I don't even know if I'm... It was if I'm inventing a word, but it, it was a lot more, you know, fantastic looking than like anything mm. that happened in the movie. That's right. And that was the way they did movie posters back then as well. They had to, to you know, some of the crappiest films of the seventies have some of the most amazing movie posters because the artists had to, to sell it. say, look at what you're going to see and, and hype it up to such oh. a degree. Well, on, on our little Patreon little bonus shows, we do one where we go through like, the, the Star Wars history book, the year by year. And mm. there's some films that came out in the 70s. I think maybe Silent Running's one of them. And the, mm. the posters are like, like now I'm sort of jaded and I'm like, there is no way this film can live up to how cool <laughs> this poster looks. Like it, mm-hmm. it, it looks amazing. So um, mm. I'm, I'm going to check into it with some... With with my cynic goggles on, but yeah, the posters were just so because you know you can just paint anything like mm, a lot mm. harder to get it onto a, a a film cell as it were. No, back then, no. So, um, oh yeah, because that's what I was going to say. If you're in Melbourne during that time, they had, which was George Lucas's one of his original dreams, Maya set up a separate Star Wars shop. And oh, for the, everyone around the world, Maya is sort of like um, Macy's. Macy's or, you know, it was, um, you know, the department store that, you know, everyone went to to, to get all their good stuff. And the, the Maya in the city, like separate, it wasn't even in the, like it wasn't even part of the Maya. You had to go through a separate door. On yeah, the right. ground floor, they had a separate uh-huh. Star Wars shop. Wow. And I remember one wall was just pegged figures. Wow. And I think by the time I got there, it was just a sea of Rick Ollies. But (laughs) of course. It was part of my, um, because I went to like Toys R Us in Frankston for their midnight opening. And it was. It was crazy how fun it was and how he's overwhelming. Got, he's got tears in his eyes, folks. He's got tears in his eyes. Well, I, I didn't even know what anything was going to be. So you just like, I didn't. Oh, that's oh, that's the first time you saw any imagery and. I'd seen a bit, but I, I, I was sort of like, it was too overwhelming. Like I didn't come in with a checklist, or you know, now Yak Face will have a checklist and they'll tell you what to, you know, what's going to be hard uh, to yeah. get. And I was sort uh, of more. Yeah, yeah. Like I was pretty stoked to look at a Rick Ollie and go, oh man, oh, like this is this right. is insane. Captain Panaka, look at that hat. That's, <laughs> that's got to be important, you know. That hat's got to play a role in 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 the conclusion of the film, surely. Must, must do. They've got a good hat game in this prequel trilogy. Yeah, dude. Back to back. Um, even like you know the the preview stap with Battle Droid, just yeah, anything and everything was exciting, wasn't it? Yeah, and the, the, the stap with Battle Droid was a pretty iconic preview image because I think either in Star Wars Galaxy Magazine or Star Wars Insider, that was one of the little, there was like a postage stamp size picture of like a Doug Chang painting of mm-hmm. like the Battle Droid on the stap. And mm-hmm. I remember just staring at it. It's like, oh, no, this is, 
It's going to be so cool. <laughs> as long as that robot never talks, this is going to be the coolest thing ever. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, it was, um, yeah, just I love thinking back to all that stuff and how, like, special it was to look at for oh, the first time. Yeah, of course. And that's, I mean, that's, a, that's when things, things feel real. The trailer makes it feel real. When there are toys on the shelf, that's when it starts to feel real to me. That, oh, shit, there's a Star Wars movie coming out. It's happening. Yeah, and I remember, like, the Stap did a, like, you could sort of press it and it would squat down or something. And oh, I remember yeah. sort of playing with it and somehow thinking the more I played with it, it would reveal something to me about the film. <laughs> I, I have no idea what, but I was just like, the more I make it shoot the missiles or whatever, it's like this this missile shooting. It's got to be. It's got to have something to do with the whole film, surely. Surely, yeah, yeah. yeah. The Steel Wars Patreon page is a great way for Steel Wars listeners to support the podcast continued production while also getting a slew of weekly bonus content and full access to our entire back catalogue, much like episode 19 of the Steel Wars podcast, Hugh Fleming's first appearance on the pod where he goes deep on becoming a Star Wars artist, the iconic Star Wars Rocks poster and lining up at Man's Chinese Theatre for over a week waiting for The Phantom Menace. It's a great chat, much like many of our back issue episodes that you can check out for just $3 a month at patreon.com forward slash Steel Wars. The comic book, how did it, how was the timing with the film because the, the novelization came out before the film, which seems like lunacy nowadays. Mm, but when, yes. when, when did the comic come out amongst all this? I think they came out maybe a week before the film. So issue no, one. Actually, no, it was, it was pretty much a few days before the premiere because I was on the line, a man's Chinese. Oh, of course. You're, that- you're in America for it. Yeah. Yeah, and a couple of the guys said we're going to go down to the comic store and down down the way. I don't know which one it was. Maybe on, I don't know. I can't remember. Um, and so we we went down to the to, down to the store and they had some on the shelf, or maybe they had, maybe they didn't have some. I I, I used my Paul's deal. I went to them and they didn't have any comics out there, and I said, "Do you have any of the episode one comics?" Um, and I said, because I did the covers, and would you, would you go and have a look for me? They didn't even check my ID. They just sort of went for it. Um, so I think, I don't know, I didn't buy any because I knew I was getting some, uh, some complimentaries. But uh, the guys that were with me, they, they bought a couple of, couple of the comics. But they didn't know that I did them before that moment. Either. So how long were you in that line for? Eight days. And it didn't come up that you drew the covers of episode one. No, I didn't bring it up. I didn't bring it up. Oh, Hugh, that's where you and me differ in personality. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm disgusted by your humility. Oh, shut up. (laughs) And it's 
That is pathetic. I'm... Oh, but, you know, I did. But then that moment in the comic store, I couldn't resist going, well, I did the covers. Oh. <laughs> and it blew my friend's minds. I tell you what, they were what? Yeah, but on the flip side, <laughs> at that point, if you didn't mention you did the covers, you're a weirdo. Like, so... True. That's true. You, you, you hit the but point. I could have I could have avoided going to the comic store altogether. Still, I could have avoided ah, that moment. Ah, so you wanted to be like me? I, yeah, I think I maybe wanted to just like, oh, I sort of want to tell people that I did the covers, but that's not really cool, is it? Mm. Well, yeah. So you did line up for for eight days, and we, yeah, I guess that's some sizzle to check out the um the other episode you're on because uh, I. Uh, that's not real. I don't think I gave you much sizzle on, on that podcast, mate. Oh, see, that's the other thing. He's always talking down that episode. It's a, it's a great episode. <laughs> Listen, just talk down your own achievements. Don't bring me into it. It's a, it's a, so was, it's another fine bit of content from. Look, uh, I was, I was, I was a bit more reticent back then because I didn't know you. And now you're totally out of your shell. That's can, it. Almost, almost completely. I started this off quite nervous. Now I'm feeling pretty relaxed. <laughs> um, and then. The film comes out. The oh. the most, um, I guess, uh, awaited, the most like in- anticipated yeah. film of all time. Uh-huh. At that time, what, what, do you think the Phantom Menace or the Force Awakens is the most anticipated film of all time? I thought you might ask this question. Um, I think it, the Phantom Menace. I mean, maybe because I was in in that hype bubble, you know, I was younger and I, I guess I was more, uh, my Star Wars life balance wasn't as balanced as it is now. Mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, it was like Star Wars was everything and it could be everything because I, did, I didn't have a girlfriend and I didn't, you know, I, I was just I was just a free agent. I could go to America and camp in the street for eight days for this movie. Nowadays, it's, you know, I almost didn't get to the premiere of The Last Jedi because my kid was being born. Um, so uh, uh, so I don't know if the – oh, not the, sorry, not the premiere of Force Awakens. I'm talking about the premiere of The Last Jedi. But the hype for Force Awakens felt huge to me. But I don't know if it's quite quite as big as Phantom Menace. I just don't think anything can top that. Yeah, I, I would have to go with Phantom Menace. Like, uh-huh. I, I feel like the Force Awakens was the most anticipated that then came through for the most people. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it seemed like the outro of The Force Awakens was a lot more, like, solidly positive than The Phantom Menace. Yeah, yeah. So you've waited eight days. You've, you've drawn yeah. the covers. You've admitted to the line that you mm-hmm. are the cover artist. Then you go in to see the film. This is, like, for, for someone who's an illustrator and a Star Wars fan... Like, this is the perfect storm. You have gotten to draw, you know, maybe the poster. Maybe, you know, you'd, you'd like to bump Drew Struzan out of the way, but I know your respect uh-huh. for him, you probably wouldn't. So uh-huh. you've, you've gotten your, your due doing, uh-huh. the, um, doing the comic. You go and see the film. From memory, it didn't totally fulfill your hopes and dreams. It didn't. It really didn't. Uh, and I, 
I was this is I was very reticent about this the last time we talked about it, um, mostly because I do Star Wars work professionally from time to time, and I've got to be a you know I've got to be a good brand ambassador, right? I've got mm-hmm. to say nice things about Star Wars all the time. So, so I was a bit sort of worried, like do I do I say I didn't really like it? What do I say? Um, so suffice it to say, I didn't really like it. Um, I was probably in the anti-crowd, um, a bit bewildered by it, uh, really. A lot of people came out of that premiere stun, especially all these sleep-deprived weirdos who'd been camping in the street, um, came out a little shell-shocked. Um, and I'm, again, that word reticence coming up. I'm reticent to talk about this because I know the movie has its fans and I'm glad the movie has its fans. Like, I think it's awesome that what, it, what George did with his prequels, what he wanted to do, and he found his audience, and he's still building that audience. There are still kids coming into it and enjoying it and accepting it for its difference. And, um, you know, I was talking about earlier about the way that they're all they're different. There's tones all over the place. And the prequels are a different tone to the originals, and the sequels are a different tone again to, to everything that came before. And it's just great that there are pockets of fandom that, that like their patch uh, and we should all respect each other's love of those patches. And I respect everybody's love for the prequels and I've got issues with choices in all of them. Um, whatever really deeply negative feelings I ever had about them, that's all all gone because, you know, I'm older now and I've got some perspective and, and look, we're getting Star Wars till the day we die. You know, Star Wars films are like buses. If you don't like where this one's taking you, then just wait five minutes. There'll be another one along any time <laughs> now. And you can get that one on and maybe you'll get to the destination that you want to get to. Um, you know, it's all gravy from now on. And, um, you know, the, the prequels weren't the, the prequel movies that I wanted, but they're there and they exist and they told that story. And that story is canon in my mind. Um, and I don't dislike the movies or hate them. I just, they're just, they're not for me. And I, and I just, you know, the memes are the best thing about the prequels now. Like, like I'm, I'm well-versed in all the memes. I'll drop a, a Darth Plagueis meme on a, on a Facebook page, you know, and quite happily. It's all, it's all in good fun. I've seen you do it. I, <laughs> one thing that um, like kind of bugged me about them was mm-hmm that it's totally changed now was that he made them just to suit whatever, like what Jet Lucas wanted. His son. He did? Yeah, he there did. was a lot of stuff like, like Jar Jar Binks and stuff like that. And and, and uh-huh. I just did, this, this is a bit of sizzle for, this is episode 198. I've already done episode 200 with Eric Walker that played Mace in A Caravan of Courage. Right. And he was saying that, you know, the second one focused heap, like, or the whole thing was about Sindel, his little sister in the movies, because Amanda Lucas loves Sindel. And, right. and there was, you know, like things with Jar Jar, he was heaps in it because it was sort of to entertain Jet. Mm-hmm. And that, that sort of like used to bug me because it was like, I want to be entertained. <laughs> yeah. But now I'm a dad. I'm like, that's the raddest thing ever. 
Like that it's just yeah. like I've got this platform and mm-hmm. there's billions of dollars on the line, but I just want to please my son. Like I just think that's like... Yeah, that's what you do when you're a dad. All you want to do is please your kid. It's the best thing in the world. Now, I, I, I would like to monetize the songs I sing my son for, um, <laughs> for a lot of money, but, um, but I'm not willing to, you know, give up my artistic integrity of the lyrics, do you know what I mean? I, I, I won't do that. I just I, won't. I would, I would expect nothing less of you, man. With, um, you know, you're a bit disenfranchised with the film, to say the least, and you did the covers... Did that mm. sully the experience at the time? I know now you're older and wiser, but but you know we were we were we were young and aggressive back in the that's late right. days. That's right. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Um, I I remember feeling disappointed that I would have to maybe be painting these characters who I didn't care a lot about. Um, like they weren't, you know, just as the Ewoks weren't high on my list in 1999. I, you know. Uh, the prequel characters weren't high on my list of um, of things to paint, and I thought I'd have to do a bit of that. And I eventually did a sequel to Star Wars Rocks. You may know about it. I don't know the sequel. Oh my god! How was well, that? How has that drifted? What What's that called? It's uh, it's not called Star Wars Rocks, but uh, it was a sequel article in the Star Wars Insider, and the editor John Snyder said to me, he's a big hip-hop fan. He said, I want this to be a, a hip-hop thing. Can you do that with the prequel characters? And I went, oh, okay. <laughs> no, I've been having no, no, no particular interest in, in hip-hop, not disliking hip-hop, just you want me to paint prequel characters in a hip-hop thing? Mm, okay. Oh, oh my oh, God. Yes, is, I'll do it. Is Darth Maul doing like a handstand in it? He's breakdancing. That's right. Oh, my God, Hugh. First impressions, thumbs up, thumbs down. Oh, thumbs down. Thumbs down. <laughs> uh, why can't I get it to come up when I enlarge it? I've never seen this image before. And, and it's... And Boss Nass is there, Jar Jar Binks and a Nemoidian. Is, is this the right one? Mm-hmm, yeah, that's it. Wow. <laughs> Not as iconic. I don't. No, I don't think it could be. I don't think it could be. It rarely pops up on the old internet, I tell you what. Yeah, well, it's um, it's come up in the a list called 1,652 Best Star Wars Images. 1,652? Yeah. Wow. I know. It's not bad. Wow. I made the cut. Yeah. I... Uh, yeah, I, I've never seen that before. Oh, there you go. I'm happy to have introduced you to something Star Wars that you've never seen before. That's got to be hard. I um, I have to find this image that I've got of it is very small, so I'm going to have to do some. Um, yeah, I have to find. Yeah, that is. Uh, wow, where you yeah, blow my mind. It was in one of the um, one of those art books. You know, Star Wars illustration, Star Wars comics. Those, gotcha. big, those hard covers. It's. I think it's in the illustration one. Ah. There was a review of the book that I'd read, and somebody had said the less said about Hugh Fleming's <laughs> prequel hip hop piece, the better. <laughs> so, don't blame me. It was my idea. 
I just don't like that. I guess the other one's not very uh, canonical either. Like, why is Darth Vader in the band with them? But, uh, but see, see, this is the thing. This is the thing about fandom. I've nailed it because I've seen that other one forever. Mm-hmm. I accept it. Like, it, mm-hmm. it's. It, I've mm-hmm. never. I've never gone. Why is Darth Vader playing with them? Mm-hmm. This is very insightful. But then I see this and I'm like, well, why is Jar Jar Binks breakdancing with Darth Maul? doesn't make any sense. They're not <laughs> even friends. But no, that's why. Exactly. exactly. Because you know how people like they, they have like things, issues with like a new film and it's like, well, that happened like yeah. in all the films. Like there's, They've there's, always done that. Yep. Yep. Very, very telling. I'm part well, of the no, I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you what that is. People say when the, someone attacks a new film for something that happened in an old film, it's because all those things happen in all the films, all those little logic uh, discrepancies and, um, and, you know, all of those goofy things, goofy humour, uh, all the things that people might hate about a new Star Wars film. It's always been there, but they don't like how the new Star Wars film makes them feel. So then they set about proving that it's a bad film by saying, well, this happens and there's no gravity in space and there's this and there's that and there's that humour is stupid. And they're just, they're, just they're, not, they're, they're arguing in totally bad faith because they just want to prove the movie wrong. But it's just, they just don't like what it's doing. They just don't like what the story is. So, you know what I mean? They've got to tear it apart on all of the goofy stuff that's always been there. So what you're saying is... I don't like this painting and I'm trying to come up with reasons why. <laughs> well, you know, if the reason is Darth Maul and, and uh, Jar Jar aren't friends and that doesn't make sense, well, then, yes, you'd be engaging in that very bad faith argument. I Once I come to terms with this, I think it could become my favourite Star Wars image ever oh, just for been, how bizarre been, it is. It's going to be uh, the art version of I Don't Like Sand. (laughs) I do love the sand line. It is so good. Uh, Um, I guess, is there any other, like, like parting memories of the whole experience of of going in and, and, and having the, you know, like, despite what, you know, anyone thinks of the film, it's, you know, quite an honor to, um, you know, like, it has to be one of the highest selling comic books of all time, surely. It, like, like Phantom Menace stuff was going crazy. People buying multiple copies. I said, I'd say it must have been. Yeah, it must have sold well. But in I, conclusion, I, I didn't see any royalties, by the way, so that's why I don't care. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess like looking back at it, like like at the whole experience, like it is like. I don't know, like you're very blasé and, and whatever, but you did paint the covers of the Phantom Menace comic book. Like I it's, know. Like, like Splinter of the oh. Mind's Eye is cool. Shadows of the Empire, because, you know, that I remember when that came out, being so excited about Shadows of the Empire, like the Outrider, mm-hmm. Snoover, huge Snoover fan, um, Swoop I, I Bikes. Don't, I don't know who that is. Snoover is the Chewbacca with a flat top. That was oh, a bounty right. hunter. His alias, I see. Yeah. Yes, I, I love all that stuff. And and don't even get me started again about Dash Rendar's jacket. 
Amazing. No, no, so no. I, I like I think that's pretty staggering that you drew those ones or illustrated those ones. But like the Phantom Menace covers, that's that's a that's that's some pretty uh, deep Star Wars history, man. That that's a that's oh. a Star Wars feature film cover for a comic yeah. book. Oh, it, it meant a hell of a lot to me when I did it because I wasn't a comic fan per se. I didn't read a lot of comics. I read a little bit of Spider-Man in the late 70s, but I wasn't a comic person. But the comics I devoured were the adaptations of the movies because it was pre-home video and it was one of the ways you relived the film. So I read the Star Wars comic a billion times and Empire and the, the Jedi adaptation. I read them so many times. And to get to do covers for the next comic adaptation in that series was, was, was huge for me. Um, you know, the guy who painted the, the album, the Return of the Jedi comic album cover is Bill Sienkiewicz, who's one of the greatest painters in comics history. And he did a Star Wars adaptation cover. So I, I'm, you know, I'm cheekily kind of rubbing shoulders <laughs> with the likes of him in that group. Um, and that's, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, a, a, it was a great experience and, um, and a great gig and hugely proud of it and so happy to have been associated with it. Um, and you know, like I've nothing really but fond memories about the whole thing, the whole Phantom Menace experience and the lineup and celebration, the first celebration before that, um, was huge fun and huge hype. Uh, and I was marinating in it as along with everybody else. And like, like I, the, the movies aren't for me, but I still got into them over the years. And I still sometimes even being part of the Star Wars thing and not even liking the movie, that's part of your history as well as a fan. And the older you get and the less important it all becomes and the less aggro you are about the ones that you don't like, um, the easier it is to just just it, let, let it go and go, well, no, I could watch The Phantom Menace now if – if they spring an IMAX 4K version of it on us in the next couple of months, I'm sure that Jamie McCartney will be able to drag me along to it. <laughs> he probably will He probably will manage. I'll make excuses. I'll say, look, I can't get time away from my daughter, you understand, but he'll do everything he can. He'll buy me a ticket just to have me along. He'll probably pay the babysitter just yeah. to have me along. And I'll go, and you know what? I'll probably enjoy it. Yeah, Jamie would buy you a ticket and then make you feel guilt. Oh, I, oh, oh okay. I'll, I'll. <laughs> My final thing I'd love to know is what happened to the paintings? Where are they at now? Uh, they're all sold. George has the first three. <laughs> um, that's, that's my daughter. Uh, George has the first three. Uh, a private collector has the fourth one. But George owns the first, the three uh, originals, and he paid very well for them and Man, I got to thank him for that. I got to thank the Phantom Menace for that. I'll just pick up my daughter. She can sit and watch you and say hello to you. Oh, hey. hey, hey, can you see Steel? This is Uncle Steel. Hey, say hi. It's, can it's, you wave to Steel? I, I, I don't want to involve her too much in the podcast, but how does it feel to be the reason that Dad isn't so bitter about the Phantom Menace anymore? Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the cool thing is, is that hopefully when the Lucas Museum opens up the road from here, yeah, those paintings will be there. 
Oh man, that's that's that, I really want that to happen. I can't think of anything more exciting to to be in that collection somehow. Um, I better get an invite. That's all I say. Because <laughs> all the bitterness will come back. So you'll um, be a bit more open in name dropping that you're the cover artist at the at the front door of that one. I totally will. I'll stand next to the paintings as people walk by and point to myself and go, "Hey, I did this." <laughs> nice. Well, if you can't make it out there, I'll stand there and you can FaceTime, and I uh, and I can be sort of like the. Uh, you know, the, the protocol droid, so you can brag to the people walking past. Beautiful. Nice. Hugh, thanks so much for this uh, trip down memory lane. I, uh, You're welcome, back. I, I had a ball. Where can the good people of the internet follow your uh, artistic work on social media and all that good stuff? You are best to follow me on Instagram. Hugh Fleming, uh, illustrator. Okay. And you've got, a, you've got a new art Twitter as well. What's... I do have an art Twitter, yeah, at Hugh Fleming Art. Nice. I also have a Facebook, which I rarely, rarely use. Um, yeah, and that's, that's about it. And you can find my website at HughFleming.art. Oh, is there a dot .art? I never knew about that. There is, there is a dot .art. I, wow. couldn't get, I, couldn't, I couldn't get .com because some uh, potter in America has that. <laughs> that bastard, that bastard Stevie, Hugh Fleming in America making pots that stole my stole my domain. Well, got to it because I was too lazy. Thanks so much, man. This has been super yeah, fun. You're, you're welcome, man. It has been fun. It's been it's been nice to talk to you without all the all the nerves of a live audience and all of that. Maybe we'll maybe we'll catch up again for. Uh, are you coming down for episode nine? I have no idea. What I'm doing. Yes, you're you're coming down for episode nine. Okay. It was a rhetorical. It was a rhetorical question. Of course, you're coming down. Uh, okay. For episode nine. Okay. Well, it's that, Christmas. You've got to see your family. I know. Well, if I come down, that means you have to guarantee to go on the uh, the after show. Oh man, that's a big ask. Yeah, that's well, a big ask. Well, you're going to do it anyway. So is a 15 hour flight, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Well, thanks so much, Hugh. It's um. Yeah, it's been a real treat. And thanks to everyone for listening. And may that force be with you. Hey. Hey, guys. I hope you enjoyed that super fun episode with our old buddy Hugh Fleming reminiscing about those Phantom Menace comic covers and many other things along the way. Let's not kid ourselves. Tangents is the lifeblood of podcasting. Well, tangents and listener support. So (laughs) if you enjoyed this episode, uh, please drop a tweet on Twitter, the best place for tweets, or uh, share the post on Facebook or Instagram, or simply get on iTunes and write a sweet five-star review. What's that, Harry? You're upset that people haven't written a five-star review yet? Oh, yes. So I'm just here with Harry, and uh, as we wrap up the edit of this episode, we're having a little feed. I find this is the easiest time to record extra stuff is when Harry's um, got a bottle in his mouth. So he's looking at me just like, hey, man, don't, don't tell my little secrets. But, um, yeah, if you enjoyed the episode, please uh, share it about on social media. It, it really does help. And um, 
That's how most people find out about it, by someone else saying it was a fun episode. Uh, if you want to support the podcast in a little financial manner, we've got the Steel Wars Patreon, uh, always putting up. I try to get at least one bonus episode up a week and I've been doing pretty good at that of late. We've got a few Q&As. We've got a really good Robbo report, a two-and-a-half-hour Robbo report, actually, which was um, oh, such a fun Star Wars discussion. And uh, we've got an upcoming Star Wars Year by Year, which hopefully will be out this week, where Hawes and I go through Star Wars history using the Star Wars Year by Year book as a guide. And I think... What year? It's 1974 we're up to, which is um, George Lucas is in the thick of pre-production on uh, A New Hope. So that is super fun. And uh, for $3 a month, you get access to all that on an RSS feed, direct to your podcatcher of choice, whatever pod app you use. It just downloads like a normal podcast, which is very, very fun because doing extra stuff to get a podcast is... Well, it's just not how we like to do things. We like things immediate in this world. And uh, that's how the Patreon works. And for just three bucks a month, you can get all that, all the back episodes, like the uh, the Hugh Fleming interview on episode 19, and just tons of great Star Wars chats, which I try to keep uh, timeless. So there's plenty of stuff there, you know, that, uh, you know, great Star Wars stories are always going to be great Star Wars stories. So uh, check all that out at patreon.com forward slash Steel Wars. And we have got, if, can you guys hear this little dude slurping? It is, um, it's going to make good sound effects for the new Star Wars film. If, um, if Matt Wood's out there, wants some sound effects. Uh, yeah, we've got a, a sale on t-shirts. So um, on the Steel Wars t-shirts, you know, have you seen him? The Force, uh, your Snoke Theory sucked, all that good stuff. Uh, buy one t-shirt, get one half off, or you can get four random t-shirts. I will just pick them at random. Make sure you get uh, all different prints, of course, in the size of your choosing. And that, four t-shirts for just thirty nine ninety five is a pretty sweet deal. Let me tell you about that. You can get that at MetroStore.com or by going to SteelWars.com and hitting that link. My other podcast, you guys, I Love Green Guide Letters, where we review complaint letters to the TV Guide in Australia. I always do it with a bunch of comedians. That uh, I've got a lost episode is going up today. So you can check that out, a live episode from the International Comedy Festival. And are you all right, little moon? Go on, eat your little milk. Um, so you can check that out if you want some uh, non-Star Wars comedy. Just uh, search in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I love Green Guide Letters. And by the time you're listening to this, it will probably be up. And it's a really funny live app at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival last year. Uh, you can follow us on social media at Steel Wars. And if you want to chat Star Wars in a cool Facebook group, that is, um, it's just chill. It's just chill Star Wars discussion. Check out the Steel Wars listener, Star Wars Safe Haven on Facebook. It is a private group. You just got to answer a couple questions to prove that um, 
you're not just clicking on every Star Wars group in the world and uh, you're a listener of the show. Some very basic Star Wars uh, or Steel Wars questions and uh, join us. And uh, you can get a link to that from our Facebook page or steelwars.com. But it is the Steel Wars listener Star Wars safe haven. And uh, shout out to everyone in there who is always super, super fun. That's about it. See you next week. We're getting so close to the 200th episode. May that force be with you. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.